Our scripture for this morning very simply comes from Psalm 145. We are in a series on the, the, the qualities of a resilient disciple in the 21st century, in the age of digital Babylon. And a few week, couple of weeks ago we started, it, it, it all begins with begins and ends with us just simply loving Jesus, loving God. And then last week we discussed the importance of cultural discernment as we, as we navigate our way through our daily lives in this culture that we live in. And this week, as we live in a world of isolation and growing mistrust, we, we need to forge meaningful intergenerational relationships. And this morning we're going to look at that, pass, at that passage in Psalm 145, the first four verses. Listen to the word of God. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Guide us as we consider your word. Guide our hearts and minds. Guide our lives. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The heart of life is relationships. God's very own person, his identity is three in one. The Trinity. His identity has relationship at the heart of it. And in creation, God God had two observations of humanity. First of all, that God made us very good. And secondly, we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to share that goodness with each other and with Him. At the heart of so much of what we do in our lives is the the fundamental desire and need to love and to be loved. We want to be cherished and and we want to have someone to cherish. And the question we're living with and, and drives so many of our decisions is, am I loved? Who are my friends? Does anyone care about me, and who do I care about? Well, what can I do to fill this deepest need in my life? And resilient disciples understand the value, the enormous value, the central value of relationships, a relationship with God first. But right with that are relationships with each other and with the world. And those identified as resilient disciples have the opportunity 
and the, the call to a, a, a deeper and much broader range of relationships than those who are both less mature in the faith, faith and those outside the faith. Because they know, because we know, we are loved. We are loved. We, we have relationships based not just on similar interests or similar experiences or even just proximity or that need to find love. Rather, we are connected because we are all valued and cared for and have been died for. And knowing that provides the foundation to help us trust that God the God of the universe loves each one of us. And, and through God's love, through knowing that, believing that, having that, we love others. In all of this, because of that common bond and identity, the church is the place that is uniquely equipped to provide the opportunity for people to have the deepest relationships and the broadest relationships. Relationships that cross every boundary of, of, of time and culture and generation. Theologians have described the connection of the church in two different but related ways. The church visible and the church invisible. As the church invisible, we are a human community that is the body of Christ that is brought together by a common faith in salvation through Jesus. And this church does not have any boundaries of culture or generation or race or interest or politics, even time, anything of this world. Rather, this is, this is the sheep, this church invisible. This is the sheep without the goats that will be brought together at the end of time when God's work of sanctification in believers is done, is fulfilled in Christ. But this is a real church, this invisible church. Secondly, though, there is a lived reality even now, the visible church, theologians call it. We are not a perfect body. There's been a fall, and we live in it. I've, I've heard it called in more recent years the messy church. And the goats are still with us, and as well, we have our unsanctified natures still with us as well. And it is, that's reflected in our relationships. And they can be hard. They are hard. And, and like the relationships in this world, they're in many ways getting harder. I'll get back to that in a few moments. But we have at the heart of identity as Christians, the common experience of valuing forgiveness, patience, forbearance, and grace, because that's what we've experienced in Jesus. We've received that in Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes the reality in the church in his famous book, Life Together. He wrote... We don't merely bear one another's burdens. The true burden is bearing one another. But we do bear one another because 
This is the messy church. There's almost no place in society that has both this ideal, the invisible church, and is also equipped for the reality of the challenge of coming together and connecting at the deepest levels of living, even today, in the real. That is the body of Christ. This coming together is not made any easier for the fact that the church is trying to be the church in an increasingly difficult times to do relationships at all. It's getting harder. We live in a context of growing isolation, growing fear. Relationships are hard and they're getting harder. There's a whole bunch of reasons that have led to this. I, I'm going to mention just a couple of a, a few that few reasons relationships are getting harder and that there is more and more isolation in our lives. Some have called our world today and our nation the an isolation nation. Others describe an epidemic of loneliness. It, and it's ironic that that's the case because we are more connected than ever, but at the same time, more lonely. The Barna Research Group says that adults are twice as likely to say that they are lonely than 10 years ago. Twice as likely. That's about one out of five people would even admit to being lonely. David Kinman's book identifies a few reasons for this growing sense of isolation. The first he describes is digital strain. People say in will do things, he, he writes, screens allow us to avoid the hard work of being human. And he says people will say and do things digitally that they would never say or do face to face. Also, more people are questioning the meaning of life. Digital Babylon has made a nihilistic view of the world palatable and, and popular. And, and it's a view that very simply says there is no meaning to life. And at the same time, that lifestyle of living in front of our screens is removing us from our bodies and making us unconscious of our own mortality and, and our own physical limits. And all of that leads to what you could call a, a my-sized life. We are becoming more self-focused. We have become utterly focused on our own desires and our own wants and fulfilling them. And, and that's what we're living for in today's culture and even very often in today's church. And if that's what we're living for, it's, it's natural to connect only to people with similar interests and experience and algorithms and, and digital connections have made that even easier and siloed us into very small realms. But the messy church offers something wholly different. It provides an opportunity for us to know others who are absolutely and utterly different than ourselves so that we can pursue more than just our own self-interests but care and connect along the broadest possible spectrum of people in, in the deepest of ways. 
Again, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Another challenge of today is that any form of authority is mistrusted. You can even say in God or in the church, we mistrust. Whether it's media or politicians, as well as the church and God himself, authority is mistrusted. And, and this is just as true between generations of just not trusting each other. But interestingly enough, studies show that younger generations are less likely to be skeptical of older generations today than older generations are of the younger. Let that sink in for a moment. It is more likely that older generations will have negative stereotypes or opinions of the younger generation than the other way around. Still, either way, all this mistrust challenges all of us. We're skeptical of each other. Today, motivations are in questions. For many, church is very simply seen as, first and foremost, a business. And many think that we are here for the numbers and the finances. And for the world, it's hard to believe that we are genuinely here to love each other and everyone, even strangers and people who are much different than ourselves. The isolation of people today is also affected by a growingly weaponized humor. We've simply gotten rougher and meaner in our humor and in our entertainment. And people aren't scared of hurting each other with humor. But that's bled down into our ability to trust and made it harder. In all of this, there's so many reasons, so many more you can go on about why things are fracturing in relationships today. But what the 21st century church and disciples need to do is rediscover relationships. The church is at its best. The, the church is the best opportunity to speak and provide love to a culture of isolation. Here, we do the, the work of, of relational health. I, I want to take a moment and think of some of the characteristics of meaningful relationships. One of, the, one of the things is we even know what they mean. Kinnaman says it. We need to have a resilient, robust definition of meaningful relationships. What even are they? Here's his definition. He says, relationships are meaningful when we are devoted to fellow believers we want to be around and become. First, we like being around each other. Being around each other, sharing experiences. I, I, I cannot say enough how important it is to simply get together. To be together, to live our lives together as friends. And laugh together and cry together and work together and rest together. To tell each other our stories and to listen to each other with love. Even my hopes for the workday on Saturday. I, it, it, for me as the pastor, it's less about product, productivity and getting things cleaned up, although we have a lot of that to do. But as a pastor, my real hope is 
that we have a good time doing it together. And we get to know each other and value each other just that little bit more. And I look forward to seeing many of you there. I hope you can be there on Saturday. And sometimes, sometimes even more than just being together, we even want to become a little bit more like each other, like somebody else, knowing what they know, doing what they do. And our interest in them, it can be subtle, or it can include a whole change to our lives. We, even, we may, may even want to end up changing what we wear. Or, or maybe it's just as simple as we want to ask questions because we're curious about who they are in their lives. Another characteristic of meaningful relationships is that we're going to want some outcomes. Not, not productivity, not productivity outcomes, but relational outcomes. We'll end up with a friend to confide in or a group to belong to, or mentors to support with wisdom. Meaningful relationships pay attention to emotions. The fact is, people are quick to discern when, when we don't feel welcome. But in these, relation, these relationships, we'll identify feelings within ourselves and others and deal with negative feelings and foster positive feelings. Allow people to have healthy expressions of whatever those feelings may be. In these relationships, we will be vulnerable. There is a stereotype of evangelical churches as a place of people with masks on. But every week, we make it, we make it part of our prayers and part of our worship to confess our sin. It is a core value for us that Christ frees us to be real. We are particularly equipped as the people of God who believe in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and in the assurance of God's grace. We are particularly equipped to be honest and real and weak and vulnerable with each other. Of all places, relationships within the church, we ought to live without masks. We also should be not the least safe place, but the most safe place to walk through the doors and face together our failures, our doubts, and our fears, and still to be loved. Another quick characteristic of a meaningful, a place of meaningful relationships, particularly for those who are caught up in digital Babylon, take digital Sabbaths. It's, it's like a fast. It's a rest. It's easy to get addicted to a, a, a dis, the distraction of games and a, and a quick entertainment rush. And, and give it up for periods of time. And come back to people, even yourself. Finally, where meaningful intergenerational relationships are happening, we will be able to help young people identify faith champions. 
I cannot tell you how blessed I was to hear so many of you tell me stories of people in this church who helped raise you in the faith. Even the leaders of 40 or 50 years ago, some of you would tell me, tell me their names, and they were not names I would otherwise hear. They are people, most of them, long gone, and it felt like it felt like when you read in Scripture in places where names are listed of generations past, and maybe there's a little bit of something that they did, but they aren't the key biblical figures to the story of redemption. But they are in that book, in this book, forevermore. They're still there. And those people that you named to me are in your hearts forevermore. But many of those who you named are people who are still here. And this church has in its DNA, over and over again, the stories you told me, the DNA, the care of each other across generations. That's who we are. And I I can't tell you how many people I met with who have told me the impact of the love of a Debbie Green and Nat, of a, of a Glenn and Pam Basar, of, of Reuben and Mary Ansley, of so many different people. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Step back and listen to that psalmist writing it nearly 3,000 years ago. The most meaningful things that happen in churches happen in relationships. The relationships that are lived here. And, And the purpose of every program and activity is to build meaningful relationships between people and even between generations. And for us to, to, together to point each other to God in those relationships. That's what discipling is. Including and especially across the boundaries. All the boundaries that the, that the world can throw to us, at us. Particularly, though, generational boundaries. Last week, I I told you a story about Eleanor in Buffalo. This week, I want to tell you about Darlene in Pittsburgh. Very different story. Darlene passed away uh, within a couple of weeks when I I, I finished my ministry in Pittsburgh. Finally, her heart gave out, and she had lived in pain most of her adult life and into her 80s, and she had suffered more deeply, both physically and emotionally, than anyone I've ever known. She was a a widow long before I got to Pittsburgh, and it was clear our church was her only family of any sort. No, No kids, no siblings, no one else. We were it. And she had a lot of physical needs those last few years, and it took a lot of work to be her family. But here's the thing. No one begrudged caring for Darlene. Because whenever you spent any time with her, you you came away knowing God was real. And 
and that God loved you and that Darlene loved you and that God was there in those moments and all the time and, and you knew it, you experienced it when you were with her. One of the key women in our church, Mary Ann, in those last years, decided to, to deepen her relationship with Darlene. And it wasn't so that she could be a better help and support for Darlene. Mary Ann recognized that Darlene had a depth of faith that she wanted to be around. And so she asked Darlene if she would mentor her. Now, Darlene had no idea what she could offer Mary Ann. Darlene never finished high school and, and was what one might call a working class person at best. Mary Ann was the mother of two amazing grown kids, was an executive in a small firm and highly successful and incredibly productive person. But Mary Ann wanted what Darlene had. And so they started spending a different kind of of time together. Discipleship happens in relationships. And resilient disciples have meaningful intergenerational relationships. It's going to take some work. But Christ's call is that we would go and make disciples of all nations. Let's pray. Lord, relationships are hard these days. There is so much distrust and isolation and loneliness. It's hard. It's hard to get to know people and to live with people. It's so much easier to just live alone and online. But God, may this church, may each one of us be people who are known as people who are known by each other, even as we're known by you. God, we thank you for the, the, the saints who have gone before us and passed on the faith to us. God, may we be those who stand in faith in you and are more than ready to share it with strangers, with teenagers, and kids of all ages, and with our children. God, may we be a church of meaningful intergenerational relationships. Man, that Lord, that's a mouthful, but all that means is that we share our faith with each other and with our children. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this call on each of us as we are yours. Guide us in that call, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.